Welcome to episode 15. Delicate. I think it's 15. <laughs> Podcast. Yep. Uh, welcome to episode 15 of Sadcast, the Sad Mag Podcast. Uh, I'm Jackie Hoffer. I'm Heather And today we're going to talk about um, uh, the new Google logo. Just Google it. That's the first one. And then um, in the first segment, we're going to talk to Steph Hill, who wrote a piece in the current issue of Sad Mag, the movement issue, which is now available in stores. Or, yeah. Pretty shortly thereafter. Pretty soon. This date. It's now available to... Subscribers should be getting theirs in the mail any moment. Yeah, which sounds beautiful in the forever timelessness of... Right? <laughs> I'm really trying to be vague here. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so the movement issue, issue 19. Yeah, Let's so say September. Subscribe at sadmag.ca and you will get one. That's the best way. Yeah, or yeah, any lo some local bookstores support, maybe Pulp Fiction. If you're in Vancouver. There, if you're yeah. in Vancouver. Um, chapters um, across the country, believe it or not. Also, UBC Bookstore. Why are we not there? Are we not? I, so. I mean, I looked at the nice Okay, listeners, if you know anything <laughs> about getting us in there. If you're good at distribution in general, give us a call. If distribution is something you find fun. Seriously, if there's a store you think should carry us, you know, we want, yeah, like, let's hook that up. Let's do it. Yeah, we're at Nouvelle Nouvelle, I think. Yeah, we're Bloom, um, we're around. We're around. Yeah. Anyway, so Steph's going to come and talk about her article, um, which is called... Oh, the, uh, is it the Cult of CrossFit? Oh, Feel the Burn. Feel the Burn. Feel I always call them by the names that we call them during production and then it changes. But yeah, Feel the Burn, all about, I guess, her fear of CrossFit. Kind of. It's more, it's super nuanced though. I really, I wanted to have her on because um, I'm sort of confused by athletes in general or people who are really into being being fit and healthy and who totally love it. Like yeah. I just, they're like totally different people, species to me. So. Oh, me too. And she calls herself a jock and I like have no jock friends. So I don't yeah. know what Yeah, and I'm so like. used to that being a kind of masculine term actually that it wasn't until about three quarters of the way through the piece that I was like, oh, I think this writer is a female person. I know, and you know, it's really funny because we gave oh, well. the article to the illustrator, and uh, at first the illustrator... The illustrator, Tierney, Tierney Mill, Mill. amazing, and you should follow her Instagram. It's yeah, very good. totally great. Um, so at first she did the illustration as a man, and I was like, oh, but it's it's a woman. Maybe it would be better if it looked this way. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> yeah. yeah, so yeah, that's interesting that you said that because, she, I mean, and it even says it's by Stephanie Hill. Presumably, Steph, but yeah, I mean, one could presume. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's a pretty good segue, actually, into talking to Steph. Hey, hey. Hello, and we're back. So, Steph, I'm Jackie. Um, I'm the one that was emailing you. I'm Pam. Um, I design SadMeg. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice to meet you, too. Nice to meet you. Can you introduce yourself to us? Maybe tell us a little bit about yourself? We are recording, just so you know. Sure. Um, so, my name's Steph Hill. I'm 27. Uh, until very recently, I lived in Vancouver. I have just moved to Toronto. Um, but I've been heavily involved in sports since I was 
very young. I started in gymnastics and martial arts as a kid. And I wrote the uh, the Feel the Burn essay in the latest issue of, of Sad Mag about why I'm afraid of CrossFit. Now, how did you get this article to us? How did that how did it come <laughs> to be? How did it come to be? Um, well, I was in the middle of like a like a rant basically about CrossFit to someone. Um, and was like was was trying to figure out like why I had such strong feelings about it, given that I do like given that most athletic endeavor is like equally pointless and I do lots of things where I get injured all the time, so I like couldn't just object because I thought they were all gonna like hurt their backs by lifting too heavy. <laughs> um and so I thought it was kind of humorous that I'd become like a crotchety old man about athletic pursuits. Mm-hmm. Well, before we get into the actual article itself, um, mm-hmm. I guess like congratulations and also apolog- uh, condolences for moving to Toronto. What's it like there right now? <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's a it's a neat city actually. It's been it's been interesting getting used to it and going to a new jujitsu gym and feeling the humidity suck you in. So how long have you been in Toronto? I've been in Toronto for almost two weeks. And you've already located and visited (laughs) a jiu-jitsu gym. Yes, I located one and I've been there five or six times. Now be honest, did you uh, find your new place in relation to the jiu-jitsu place? (laughs) Um, I might have found the gym and then sort of drawn a circle around it. Oh, and then the that. truth comes out. Okay, so, I mean, for for me, what's so fascinating about um, your piece, um, which I really enjoy, and it's it's one of the shorter pieces in the um, magazine and is accompanied with a really beautiful illustration. Side note, yeah. have you seen it yet? Have you gotten a PDF of the final page? I got a PDF of it, and I love that illustration so much. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, Tierney Mel is really, um, I don't know her personally, but I'm familiar with her work and I really like it. Yeah. 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 But anyway, I mean, for me, um, your article was pretty fascinating because I'm not athletic in any way. um, And I'm kind of confused by people who self-define as jocks. Um, And like, I I would absolutely love to become more of of a fitnessy person. But mm-hmm. I, I seem, I feel like I've missed that boat. And so it's... Yeah, I kind of thought when I first started reading the article that it would be, like, from the point of view of, like, you or I, Jackie. Like, yeah. I don't understand this or any, any of this. <laughs> but you are like, no, I'm like a self-proclaimed jock and jujitsu is, you know, in your blood, obviously. So you are a jock. It's still perplexing to you, which is really funny. CrossFit. Yeah. Have you done CrossFit? I ha- I've done like like, like CrossFit adjacent activities. Like <laughs> CrossFit because CrossFit is like made up of a bunch of like different like resistance training things and cardio activities, sort of done fast and in a circuit. Um, I've done some of like the the like squats and some of like the lifting or the runs or the rope climbs or like kettlebells. I've done those all individually, but I haven't done them as a circuit with someone yelling at me as part of like a competitive exercise. Would you say that for you, that's actually the thing, the instructor um, yelling at you kind of component that you don't like? Um, 
No, the initial thing that like that I thought was the thing I didn't like about it was the potential for injury. Because mm-hmm. um, I've done like like heavy like Olympic type weightlifting before, or like kettlebell things, and it's a, it's like a very controlled thing because nothing to do like at a frantic pace while someone's yelling at you, probably. Right, exactly. Because you're like you need to protect your back, you need to protect your joints. There's a lot of technique, and I was like concerned that when you're like doing it at that pace that you you would overlook those technical things and that people would be blowing out their knees or like hurting their lower back. That was my initial concern. And then it kind of morphed into like a like a bit of a psychological concern because I've I've done like pretty serious um athletic pursuits and like sometimes they're, you know, like like the real best of humanity, like people really trying to improve themselves and like being humble and just like doing their best and sometimes they're sort of more like letting someone else dictate the priorities of your life like when I was doing rowing like it's like this is the most important thing or that like it would be the most important thing to be so fast at CrossFit even if it meant you blew your lower back and were out for a bit. Oh see I totally thought you were going to say and then there's other people who are obsessed with it in an aggressive way but that's not really what you just said you're more like you feel bad for people who get addicted to it, kind of. Or yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I guess I don't really have a leg to stand on in terms of, like, the aggression thing, because I do do martial arts, although I try to be mindful and, like, respectful of my partners, but it is obviously a competitive and <laughs> aggressive endeavor. I suppose, although I don't know. I don't, I mean, weirdly, I don't actually associate martial arts with aggression. Maybe yeah, that's, like... like if, I could maybe mention that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is, like, a grappling one, so it's more like wrestling, mm. if that changes your reaction at all. It might not. <laughs> well, no, I, mean, I have no idea what any of that is. <laughs> well, I mean, let's, maybe let's take a moment and back, back up a little bit and just ask personally. I'm kind of curious. So did you, you know, take gymnastics as a kid, and then it kind of all tumbled out from there? Or how, what's your, I mean, broad strokes, what's been your athletic... Um, pedigree as it were okay I did start in gymnastics as like sort of a, a hyperactive kid and I was like quite girly at the time and they, they thought that would be a good fit um and I did gymnastics and I did Aikido which is like a very pacifist martial art um and I, I injured my back when I was 14 and weirdly that's how I got into rowing because in rowing you keep a very straight back and it didn't aggravate the particular injury um, I got really, really interested in rowing. I, I rowed competitively for a long time. I was recruited to university for rowing. I rowed when I was there um, as a lightweight for a few years. And then um, after I left the rowing team, I joined um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Taekwondo and got really interested in sort of martial arts, which is more cerebral and maybe I don't, I'm, I'm uncertain about how I feel about that as the description but um of athletics and I've been pretty much stuck stuck on them ever since I've been doing jujitsu on and off for for four or five years just to clarify and I don't mean this I know this is going to come off sounding a bit dickish but just to clarify jujitsu is the cerebral end of martial arts <laughs> well, yeah no that's, that's totally fair it in terms of like, if, if you're doing something like I have rowing. no idea what I'm talking about. I'm <laughs> no, it's not. Anyway. Uh, like, if you're doing something like rowing or running, mm-hmm. like, it's not that you don't have to think about it because you do, and there's a technique. But once once you've got it, you pretty much just do it over and over until you like reach the end of your race. 
Gotcha. Um, yeah. or, okay, yeah. now I know what you mean. Yeah, like there's strategy and although obviously rowers are reacting to circumstances and the environment as well, like in jiu-jitsu, yeah. it's like no two matches are the same, I would assume, or, or whatever you Yeah, and it has kind of like a, a chess-like aspect where, right. where you try a thing and they try to counter you. Mm-hmm. So you have to be like thinking different moves ahead at the same time as it's like physically demanding. Now, um, I sort of internet stalked you, or I tried to, because I'm like, I should maybe look this uh, person up. And sure. I don't know if I found the correct you, but did you go to Princeton? Yeah, I did. Is that where you got recruited for rowing? Yeah, that's right. It's so fancy. <laughs> it's it's Ivy League, girl. You're a big deal. <laughs> I mean, is there professional rowing? I have no idea. Like, did you, why didn't you go pro? Get those you know, um, endorsement deals well, or whatever. There's things going on the on the bottom line. <laughs> there isn't like, there's not like pro rowing the way there's like pro football. Oh, Generally, if you're like a super serious rower and you're trying to take it to like the next thing, you um, you join your national team and you go to the Olympics. Um, oh, and yeah. friend of mine's ha- friends of mine have done that um, and have really fancy medals. Um, I stopped rowing in my second year of university, um, partly because as a lightweight, I was really struggling to stay the right size. Mm. Um, you had to weigh less than 130 pounds oh, on race day. Impossible. Yeah, and the and I found that sort of a healthy weight for me is more like 150. Mm-hmm. Um, which then makes me, like, a super short heavyweight rower, which is also not, like, really a good fit. Mm. Um, so it kind of it kind of fell apart on me um, when I was in, my uni- in university because it's easier to maintain that kind of weight when you're, like, 16. You're just like, maybe I won't eat chocolate bars every day. Like, right. I did it. <laughs> well, um, well, that sounds very sane. Yeah, and you got a sweet education. Yeah. Are they yeah, okay with the bait and switch? Like, are you allowed to... Yeah, it's actually cool because I was worried about that because there are places where you're on like a merit scholarship and if you stop doing the activity you were recruited for, they will take away your funding. But um, Princeton actually doesn't do merit scholarships in that way. They do something called needs-blind admission. So when you get accepted, they assess your finances and they they like grant you whatever money you can't afford to pay. Whoa. Um, yeah, so I actually went to Princeton for about what you would pay to go to, like, UVic. Amazing. What did you study, by the way? I studied politics and environmental studies. Hmm. Um, actually, it was weird. I moved to New Jersey, and then I studied Canada and, like, Canada electoral history. <laughs> what was it pretty novel there? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I spent so much time explaining Canada to Americans. It was... <laughs> exhausting and it did not work oh no see i i feel like i spent most of my 20s explaining canada to germans and japanese people and english people um <laughs> in the countries in those countries and um for the longest time i wanted to write one of those books that you would obviously buy at a airport called no actually i'm from canada <laughs> <laughs> so I maybe we could work on it together that. someday Let's go back to where we started, which is, um, how did you, like, were you commissioned or did you um, submit this piece um, out of the ether? I submitted it. Um, I'm friends with Michelle Furbacher, who's starting the Cat Cafe in Vancouver. Awesome. So awesome. So awesome. And so I I heard about the the cat issue 
and went to the cat issue launch party of Sad Meg um, and thought it was so like beautiful and I kind of was sussing out like other issues that were coming out and when they said they were doing movement I was like oh I have some things to say on this topic. Um, oh so glad that uh, you found us that way that's really great. That is an exciting story. So I mean kind of Wrapping it up, do you, would you say that you are you anticipating any blowback from CrossFitters? In are people going to start angry CrossFit tweeting at you or maybe? I mean, yeah, I think like I don't think I, someone who is like a passionate CrossFit enthusiast would be like thrilled at that description, especially because I think at some point I like have like a I'm sad for you paragraph where I'm like I used to be like you, but you don't have to do this. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, I think you're quite careful in your piece not to, not uh, like, to establish, although it's, like, three quarters of the way through, that um, you're, you're not actually trying to judge anyone for what makes them feel good, and that everyone should just do whatever works for them, and you do the same, and would, you know, and that people could criticize you as well. Like, you recognize that. But I think um, one of my favorite lines is, that, um, CrossFit is the natural home for the washed-up athlete. I feel like people... <laughs> Maybe more likely to feel. Yeah, I I stand by it. I will be so tweetable. (laughs) Yeah, it's very tweetable. Nice, (laughs) nice bit of copy there. But I mean, has it been cathartic for you to to publish your thoughts on that, or to maybe we should say start the conversation about? um, Yeah, it's because I mean, throughout my athletic career, it's been really. Like, there's, there's so many sort of things to, to dig into because it, it's been, like, an incredible benefit in a lot of ways where it gave me this, like, whole new confidence and in a lot of ways gave me, like, access to the world in terms of, like, travel and school that I would never have had. Mm. Um, but in other ways, it's, like, quite difficult or challenging where, like, you give up a lot of control when you're training 30-plus hours a week, like, under the direction of one person who's going to, like, tell you what's right. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, you injure yourself because you're pushing too hard or because your coach didn't see something coming. Like when I injured my back in gymnastics, it was just some people who didn't realize I was doing something wrong mm-hmm. and I was rehabbing it for like seven years. Yeah. So it was, it was like really felt like a good opportunity to like get it out there and like a lighthearted, like I understand kind of way, but it really is a conversation I like want to have with more people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you don't always get to have in the athletic thing because it's more like fist bumping and like good job man see you tomorrow <laughs> well, I think that's also part of what I found so interesting about your piece is because I actually I don't I'd be curious to know if this is also your experience but I sort of feel like we try and I think succeed to have a, a diversity of voices in sad mag but I think at the same time there's definitely a, a kind of uh, world that is interested in sad mag and that writes for Sad Meg, and though those voices and those people and their experiences are all different, it's not, in my mind, there's not much overlap with, like, a heavily athletic world. Or, you know, maybe if the people... Mostly indoor kids that are <laughs> making this. Kids. No. Is that, that's not entirely true, but, I, yeah. But do you know what I mean? Like, it feels... Sports. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, like, sporty, athletic, jock kind of, kind of world, I don't feel... It has a lot of overlap with um, analog photography you know, arts, artists, painter, design world, like, to me, those worlds don't have a lot in common, and so I was really stoked to see your piece for that reason, because to me, it's a world I don't have a lot of connection to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
It's funny because I often run into in sort of athletic pursuits people who have been who have sort of like traditionally like put themselves in that like indoor kid role Mm. and who have maybe like stepped out and like decided that they're they're finally going to start like running or weightlifting or like there was this really fantastic woman I trained with in Vancouver who was um, got into athletics later um, not feeling like it was their natural home um, and that they found it quite like often very rewarding in terms of like the community you get and um I think like, you just probably just do the opposite from what you normally did as you get older to like maybe see, yeah you know because like, <laughs> older people start to paint when they're never painters oh, paints, so. exactly this is like just the opposite for like someone who is creative yeah maybe I'm like go to the gym now when you know and that's my plan when I'm about 60 maybe I'll start going to the gym although we'll I mean I suppose <laughs> I guess I would question that dichotomy like I don't think that going to the gym is the opposite of being creative right but, but I think it's also that people feel more secure like when they're older like maybe when you're like a teenager and you like you're like no I'm like a drama kid and I don't do field hockey with the field hockey kids who are a different thing for me and like as you get older and like more have like a better sense of yourself <laughs> it's like easier to step out of yeah. your your like or you're just more interested in challenging your assumptions about yourself the older you get yeah maybe that well and I think I mean coming back to your your piece I think that's that's what is interesting to me because you're actually it sounds like you're kind of tr- trying to have a conversation with yourself about like there's something about being being very physically active to 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 an extreme level or to a very high level that is kind of deeply part of who you are it seems but at the same time you can't always identify with everyone for whom that's the case yeah absolutely and it it can make it quite difficult because you want to be part of like both communities like you want to hang out with like the creatives and be like yeah writing and also with like the jujitsu meatheads and be like yeah fighting Mm. Um, well, I feel like I mean, you know, lean in, dude. Like I feel like you're yeah, <laughs> well-rounded personality, right well, there. And you know, bottom line, I mean, I I don't know how much writing will influence your jujitsu, but I feel like you know your your jujitsu can inform your writing because who else can? I mean, this is the beautiful thing about art, right? Like you got to tell your story, so you have you you might have uh, the market cornered there. <laughs> yeah, like find my niche. Yeah. But it is, it's interesting that, like, it's it's given me life experiences, which made me for, feel more, like, it gave me, like, fodder for, like, writing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, like, some things happened, I have some thoughts on it, and I can, like, explore those, which I feel like when I was younger, I felt like I wasn't always speaking with authority. Mm-hmm. Um, and that having certain experiences kind of, like, made me feel like I might have some more authority to start speaking out. I wonder if that has anything to do with, like, doing a sport that involves, like, um, combat and and it making you feel more powerful. Interesting. Like power pose? Yeah. Well, power pose is a thing. Power pose is yeah. a thing. Or TED Talks told me it was. <laughs> yeah, it is a thing. Although it's funny because jujitsu, like, as much as it involves, like, like, feeling powerful and winning, it involves a, a lot of losing. This feels like a natural segue into my, um, this used to be an embarrassing admission, but I feel like the older you get, the more you're like, no, my life is just the life I have had. It's not embarrassing either way, (laughs) especially in present company. So I joined, when I was in high school in grade 10, I joined the wrestling team for a year. Um, and, um, and I quit mostly because I was too, like, I was too not a jock. 
and also kind of ashamed about being on the wrestling team. Mm-hmm. Um, which I much like quitting organ, I feel like, and band, I feel like was a tragic. Which organ? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Uh, was a tragic, um, you know, insecure high school move that I later regretted because people who stuck it out and did their nerdy thing and, you know, end up cooler adults. But I, I live on. Anyway, the point I was going to make was that um, I lost every single match I played the entire year except for the last one, which was in the cities, and then I placed, like, fifth in my weight category. <laughs> But there were, that means there were only six of us. But still, it was like... Still, yeah. Like, it counts. Felt, it felt huge. And it was just... I mean, it was so rewarding to win after losing every match I had ever played. But I yeah. think the thing that surprised me most about wrestling um, was that I had never anticipated how intellectually challenging it would be. As in, you know, unlike almost every other sport I've had contact with at that point, you know, where it's about team strategy and... Maybe you have to be the center of attention for a moment, like in you know softball or baseball or something, but or in basketball when you have the ball. But you're you're at having to function at a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time when you're wrestling, and that's a really intense space to do a sport from. Yeah, and so I I wanted to like recognize what you mean actually when you talk about jujitsu <laughs> and that it's more cerebral, say, than like rowing or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and, and more humbling than, you, than people often think from the outside. But they're like, oh, you must be a straight-up badass. And you, like, think back and you're just like, it's just like a montage of, like, losing. <laughs> I feel like I've taken that, um, that, that experience into stand-up comedy now. <laughs> Cute montage of me bombing on stage. No, it's good. I mean, it makes you stronger. Yeah. It it's like, and it's not the end of the world. Like, you lose and you just, like... I don't think they have tapping in wrestling, but it's like, you just like get up and go about your day. I think, I mean, I think in wrestling, you just like stop resisting and let your shoulders touch the ground. Cause I, like out was two shoulders on the ground. Right. Uh, okay. And your back. So you just, and you just move like someone choking you. Up, so. yeah. <laughs> it's funny. It was like that for like real life, like design. Just give up and lie on the floor. Yeah, oh, she's given up. You could tap out. I I wish. I mean, I feel like you can tap out of stand up comedy. You just go like. You can also lie down. Thank you. You can <laughs> lie down. Yeah. I think you can tap out of almost every. That would work for anything. Yeah. Thing mm-hmm. except yeah. for parenting, you don't really get to tap out of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's called neglect. <laughs> okay. Well, um, did you have any questions for us or anything that you wanted to? Put out there, I think. Or plug or plug, yeah, or talk about or anything. Um, no, I think I've been just a plugging sad mag lately because it looks so beautiful, you guys. It's such a lovely, lovely magazine. Oh, um, I'm really proud to be in it. So yeah, we're so happy you're in it. Yay! Nice. Yeah, spread it all over Toronto. We could use some yeah cross Canada love. We're coming for you, Toronto. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. we're already there, but we're gonna get more there. <laughs> we gotta get all up in the right places there. Yeah. Okay, Steph. Well, I'm gonna. We're gonna wrap it up. Um. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks for talking with me. Bye. Bye, Steph. Bye. Next up, um, I thought it would be fun to take the design part of stories art design a little more seriously. Um, and you were responsible for the visual 
shift from a previous... Yeah, the Sad Mag rebrand. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. got it. <laughs> yep. So tell us, I mean, I mean, just, I'd love to hear your initial impressions about the Google thing, and then we can just, just get into it and see what happens. I mean, like, the, this logo, it's just smart. It's hardworking. This is not, like, you're never going to be blown away because it can't be that kind of logo. It needs to work for so many different applications and be very versatile. It's very smart. And the kind of the, a lot of the time, the best design is invisible. That is like, that's the thing. What does that mean? That means like the best design works so well, you are not noticing it either way. You're, you're not like, Oh, that's so ugly. Like it's jarring. It's Mm. just hardworking. It's just there. It's what it's supposed to be. So it's just working for you. This Mm logo is like that it is just working for them and it works really well i mean it's using the colors the colors are so google so even Mm -hmm. though even in that dot form which they like sort of write about as another logo though it's not i mean it's part of their animated logo Mm -hmm. when it's animated that's a state of animation i don't see though it's unclear right now but i don't see them using those dots like static anywhere so it's really just the animated logo Mm-hmm. kind of part of this whole responsive logo trend though they just have a monogram the animated logo static logo it all makes sense it all works for them i love it yeah it's hard how how are invisible and hard working the same thing i think i'm confused hard working means like it just goes a long way and invisible means yeah hard working means so it's going to work in like lots of different applications it's not a thing that's like some weird shape that's like not fitting here and then has to be some other weird shape here like it's very hard working it works really small they changed the typeface from that terrible serif to this nice round they made their own typeface yeah um product sense um so along with just this logo they made an entire typeface custom for them which i think is brilliant it's smart yeah i mean why not i mean you have how many applications and things you're doing why not do something specific for you it's cool i think i forgot that this was this is all part of their um unveiling of like a new parent company called alphabet Alphabet. yeah and so i don't think alphabet's gonna be anything i think that people care about yeah i mean it's not like it's gonna (laughs) replace google in the no in the lexicon of our times no i think it's funny that my favorite story about google is also kind of a going back to school story. I remember in my very first year at university, which was 2000 at UBC, in my German class, which was actually like a 300 level class because I'm badass. <laughs> Our like super old German dude professor, who now that I think about it may or may not still be alive, but he... Um, he was like on the first or second class showing us the kind of language lab, which was really a computer lab. And for whatever reason, he was exhibiting how you could use the internet and have that be projected onto the screen or whatever. Like he was showing us the projector. And even at the time, I remember thinking, this is dumb. Like, you're into this technology. Like, you think this is really cool, but we already know this is a thing. This isn't like, you're late to the party. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. But, um... Even so, it's hard to kind of rewind your brain to the web in 2000, but um, I remember him opening up probably like Netscape or Internet Explorer or whatever it was and asking the class 
for a website you could type in. Oh, wow. <laughs> and somebody said Google. And, like, that was the first time I'd ever heard it. And the teacher was kind of like, something everyone knows. That's amazing. Because <laughs> nobody knew what Google was. It was the first time I'd ever heard it. And he was some kind of computer nerd guy. And he was like, Google. Thinking, probably, knowing that it's a very simple page. And it would load quickly. <laughs> anyway. Wow, I can't believe you remember. I remember it very clearly because it's such a strange name. And yeah. it's quite simple, though, too. So, anyway, that's my Google story. It's very pleasing. It's yeah. very pleasing to look at the shape is great the double o and like the bottom of the page where the o's just continue when you search for something mm. for how many pages are so very smart this is very nice i still don't really understand i'm feeling lucky i know people don't really use the actual homepage very much anymore when they're talking about google but i don't really understand what that's about how do they it? just take you to one page the first thing is that what that is i think it just takes you to the first hit okay so you're like i'm feeling lucky that the first thing you find is the thing that i'm looking for Oh, just take me right there. Yeah. Interesting. I think. I haven't used it really ever. Have <laughs> I, mean, I? I just use Chrome now, so the search yeah, bar the is Yeah, the search bar is the thing, exactly. Like, why wouldn't you do that? It's great. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Another I think Google I used to Google thing. say that again. It's another brilliant Google thing. I know. I actually feel like, although it's impossible to think of the web without the strength of the search we've come to feel entitled to with Google, I actually feel like Google Maps has had a more profound effect on my life than just google search oh i don't know that beats the that's a tough comparison because tough I, comparison. I just feel like the way that most of us think of geography now is in a pinch world or a zoom in and out world mm-hmm. whereas that's a totally different way of thinking of the earth than everyone else in all time and also at least at least 20 <sighs> years ago you know what i was just on the island visiting my hometown for the first time in like 10 years yeah and driving around I'm like oh I remember like having to go to like a party here and like I had a map like a hand-drawn map yeah. and having to pull over and like call because I didn't know where I was go- like that does not happen now you know and we were hand-drawing maps like as much as five years ago I mean or six years ago I yeah it was not that I mean I'm not old I mean this no. is when I was you know driving around yeah as a t- teenager but still yeah. Google. I mean, I feel like we have to give lip service to, like, also, Google is complicated and blah, 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 like, searching our shit and whatever, but also, not not today. Uh, Yeah, I I mean, I don't even know. There's so many things. Yeah. Is it right or wrong to collect all the data everywhere from all time? But if you're on the internet, you guys have sign up for that. Uh, Yeah, so I... Oh, a can of worms. It's a can of worms. I mean, do you, you, you have to sometimes do branding for, for your private clients or oh, your clients sure. at work, like oh, yeah. straight up reinvention. We just did that for, um, A&W, not their logo, but every, like their menu and their POS. And I just wrote that book for them, the standards guide for them. Wow. Which is. Yeah. Shout out to the Sriracha team burger. Okay. Really yeah. Good. Thanks. Yeah. Shout out. <laughs> it's so good. Um, all right. Google. Yeah, Google. You did it. We like it. Thumbs up. Yeah. Oh, and actually, side note, just one side note, because I knew we were going to talk about it today, and then mm. I saw on Stitcher, like, someone had was, like, talking about it. I'm like, oh, let's see what this rando person says. Mm. And they're like, two old guys going, Google? But they changed their... Th- oh, it's just so trendy. And I, it was like, oh, my God. <laughs> shut it off of me. I was like, this, you Fuck don't it. even... 
Yeah, I've already updated yeah. Google Maps, the app on my phone, and noticed it. Like, it pops out in a way where you're like, oh, yeah, that looks nice now. Yeah. But it'll just disappear in a couple... Little, yeah, because the old one, it's like I... I can see it on Gmail now, too. It's like, yep. Yeah, bright and shiny. It's but, just the G, too. It's really, like, boom, the big one. Yeah. And, like, do you remember before, like, it just... You ignored it because, mm-hmm. well, I mean, it was just there. Yeah. But it was really ugly if you actually looked at it. Speaking of branding, Pam also designed the Sadcast logo. Oh, yes, Sadcast. Which has recently had a little bit of an update. Just tiny, tiny bit. Yeah. Just, you know, just a smidge. I Like, I had done that, I, if you recall, in kind of haste. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, can you do a logo? An hour later. Here <laughs> you go. It was, ma- it was magical. Yeah, so just cleaned it up a bit. There was just some little things, but uh, yeah, I... I don't know. The Stitcher one is still pulling the old one. Maybe when we update this, it will be the new one. Sweet. No, we'll figure I, it out. I, I'm not worried about it. Mm-hmm. It's looking good. I love the color. Really, so much. I know. I wish you could really print that color, but only with the Pantone could you print that color. Hmm. I guess this is a tangent, but don't you, I find the concept, like, once I started to understand CMYK and, like, and RGB and, like, all these, how you make sort of digital color, I don't understand how you can brand a color. What do you mean? Like, I don't understand how there's Pantones. So Pantones come straight, like, as the color they are. They're not mixed. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not mixed at the pr- at the printer. They come to the printer in that can. That's what Pantone does. They guarantee the color that the chip is. Right. So they have all those ranges of colors, and they come in that color, and that's the color it is. It will print that color. The, that's why you can get, like, brighter colors and cooler colors and metallics and things like that because they're those custom colors. I mean, I get that, but what I don't get is, does Pantone have competition? Mm, No. So how is it that there's one company in the world or that... It kind of has to be standardized because, like, think about, like, all the different things, like, you need that color for. You need the Pantone chip. Like, sign companies, Mm -hmm. like... All the printers, like, everyone's got to be on the same page. Like, how are we going to do this mm-hmm. otherwise? And even so if, guess, well, okay, okay, whoever, like, supplies the ink might be different, but they're matching to the Pantone. Right. I think. I'm pretty sure, like, there might be other companies that make those colors. Mm-hmm. I don't really know where I just think it's so weird to, to, I mean, I guess I shouldn't be thinking of it as that they've, copyrighted colors this that they provide uh ink for those colors yeah they're an ink company yeah i guess so. well the chips though are like a big deal right like the, the booklets and the chip ch- chips they have to be so exact yeah i still i somehow it's too confusing for me oh well you're not using it in your day to day so it's no just well not. no but color correcting for for video is frustrating because you can never like, you can never do that in a movie because you can never correct yeah. for the projector. Or screen or projector. Yeah, for sure. So. And that can be frustrating. It's so frustrating. Too, because it's like, this is the this is the color and the client's like, I don't like it on my old, like, Dell or whatever. <laughs> exactly. So, in, it, you know, I can, I can appreciate um, color grading, but I, but I don't understand... Because of that, perhaps, I don't understand how it can be so straightforward, really, with with paint. 
that's something for another time. All right, let's. <laughs> any any final thoughts? You're like it's so obvious to me. I don't understand. Um, uh, final thought. A fact you might find interesting that um, people that are in design wouldn't know are that like some companies get um, special Pantones made especially for them that aren't in the book, but that are like there. So you can make other colors that aren't in the book, but like they would be custom. That would be very expensive. So Tiffany's, Tiffany's Blue is like a custom Pantone and a Coke Red, I think, is, as well. As in no one else can use it? Well, I mean, I think they can, but, well, I don't, they'd have to figure out the formula. Like Pantone makes that formula for them or who, or they developed it or whatever. They have their own blue, anyway. <laughs> so there is a copyrighted color. See, I that's think confusing so. to me. Ugh, I don't know. Because yeah. isn't it just science? Like, isn't it just... Chemistry? It's not copyrighted. It's just like that's. But the ink, I guess, is. That's that color. That color has a name now. It's Tiffany's blue. It's Coca Cola red. And it's stressful. Oh. But it, cause it's but it's like de facto Coca Cola red, right? Like they found a color that isn't in the book. That is their 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 red specifically. See, that's a documentary that I would love to. See Maybe it's out or there. Or have made is like, what's the fucking deal with Pantone? Jackie, make it. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? It's actually better that you make it rather than like a designer. Yeah. Yeah. You would ask a better question. Do it. Okay. I'd watch it. Pantone Doc coming to you in 2020. 2020. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) That was cute. Yeah. She was really nice. Yeah, she was nice. Oh, I'm really excited that she basically came to us organically through. Just Life. sad mag being sad mag. And Do you know someone told me today, hmm. or yesterday, um, that we are known for having great parties? That's very true. The Remington party was off the hook, by the way. It was off the hook. I'm really, really... I was impressed. I mean, I feel like the Remington is a tricky venue just because it's on, like, a very intense, poverty-struck area. <laughs> but this is the second party we've had there that has been great, like, the... The last one, the Mad Mad World launch, like, you know, two and a half years ago. Um, was, was life-altering. Was life-altering for me, where <laughs> I met my soon-to-be husband. But super soon-to-be. Super soon-to-be. You're the, keeping a very calm head, by the way. You're very, like, maybe we need to get into it, but for a week and a couple days-ish, single digits now, aren't we? Away from the wedding. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't know. Am I calm? <laughs> but yeah. No, I feel good. Uh... But anyways, our parties are sweet, bottom line. Seven night parties are sweet. And shout out to Brassnick. Brassnick, though, for real. Like, I I don't know about you. I'm not, like, I'm definitely into craft beer, but I'm not, I don't know. I don't actually think that I'm a connoisseur. Like, I don't, I'm not the kind of person who's like, this place, this place, this place, this place. But I personally feel like I'm never disappointed with Brassnick beer. Yeah, that's the thing. I I don't really know anything except (laughs) I like it. So, you know, I know that much. Yeah, so stay tuned for, I don't know, the next party. Probably sometime this year there'll be another party. Oh, I am throwing around an idea. I don't know if I should even say it because I don't even know. No one's probably going to be listening this far into the podcast, let's be honest. Okay, so for those of you... Bonus, 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 (laughs) I'm trying to organize a box social. What is a box social? This is a super old-timey thing where you make like a box or like a basket full of like a meal like a picnic with like cute things and then they're anonymous and people bid on them 
but you already probably kind of know who did what, or you can tell by the things in it that you want to spend time with that person. You bid on the basket, and then you have a picnic together. It's like a dating thing. Mm. <laughs> I feel like that's very complicated. And also, I mean, no, maybe it would appeal in your world. I feel like anything where bidding is involved... Just is... on the food in the basket. No, but I mean, like, anything where people are, like, um, throwing down money. Like, I just feel like it cuts out people who are like, I can only afford to go to this if it's free. Or, like, I can just buy drinks. Or, like... Oh, okay. any room can go. It's like a party. But, like, then you can, like, yeah. get on these things as well. Like, I, I don't know. I like the idea. I don't know if it's something I would even want to go Well, to. you know what? Maybe we strategize and maybe it's not cash you bid with. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's something else. Maybe who even knows? This mm. is the kernel of an idea. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap it up. Um, so highlights movement issue is out um what's it called vancouver writers festival or something some writers what? series or something that's coming up well i'll talk about that next time i guess okay i don't really know i mean sean cranberry talk to that guy sean cranberry is the guy yeah and oh actually i wanted to um just make a random shout out and so if you're in vancouver and you're listening to this in the first week of September or maybe the second week of September. Um, there's a shelter um, called Triage Shelter that's doing a collection of shoes. Um, because with all the rain that we've been having, um, people's shoes get fucked. And people with wet feet um, are um, more likely to get sicknesses and et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, shoe drive, triage, shelter. Go into your closet. Find a couple pairs of shoes that you're not wearing. It doesn't matter what they look like. I mean, obviously... Sandals aren't working for this. Well, whatever. I mean, like, obviously not a pair of flip-flops. But if you've got some shoes where you're like, I don't know, I don't really wear these anymore. Just... Darren, that's some strong emotions about this. Darren's sort of, like, half-assedly hairballing right now. He's just going to do a hairball, but he's, like, can't even get up for it. Easy. Ew. Spit it up, buddy. Here you go. That's really different than my cat's little bit. I just think it's weird that he's hairballing and then chewing it and swallowing it again. I don't want to do it. No one wants to bug. Mm. <laughs> just a baby. Totally, no, he'll get up if he's really going to do it. This is just like... All right. <laughs> <laughs> Poor little monkey. I love him so much. Oh, hey, there's no song this time. What song? We should finish on a song. Go out on a song. I haven't really had anything new come to my Hold life on. recently. Hold on. I feel like I can remedy the situation. In just I've just been listening to White Poppy, which I've already played for you folks. I also recommend the song Mermaids off of White Poppy's new album, Natural Phenomena. By the way, do I... Does Phil know... Uh, Crystal Dorwell? Oh, I can't. I think you've asked this question. <gasps> I want to know everybody. I want her on the show. Uh, she makes her own music videos, though, I think. <sighs> if you're a musician out there and you're looking for someone to make a music video for you that's basically a, a no-budget creativity opportunity for both of us, uh, contact me. Shameless plug. <laughs> I want to make music videos. And I don't quite have a musician with 
but it's ready to go in that world. Oh, actually, this is funny. Did you see this movie? Oh, God. Electric Children? No. This crazy movie on um, Netflix um, about, like, this girl who kind of lives in, like, this, like, Mormon town? What's the one where they're, like, all away from everybody? Uh, like a separatist kind of Yeah. Yeah. There's Bountiful. I mean, you mean, like, the fundamentalist weirdo? The ones with no zippers. Oh. Like Amish people? Oh. I don't know if they were Amish or Mormon or what they were, but anyway. There's a big difference. Uh, well, whatever. They were away, and anyways, um, she finds a tape, and it's got, like, this, like, punk song on it, and anyway, it's a fun oh, movie. Oh, it's Amish if they're electric, as if they're not allowed to have electricity. That's Amish. They're, like, um, everything's, like, hand churned butter and shit like there that. was electricity, because she put it in a tape player. Oh. I don't know. Anyways, whatever. She fa- finds this track, and I think it's an old track, um, but she, but they repurpose it in this movie. Anyway. Um, is it a documentary? Or a no, no, oh, no. Okay. It's a oh, movie. Okay. Kieran Culkin's in it. It's actually it's oh, quite, cool. it's cute. All right. Anyways, this song is so catchy, though. Um, it's um, called Hanging On by Flowers Forever. And um, we can play it for you right now. It's super catchy. Um, maybe, can you look up when it, when it was originally made? Okay, wait. What's it called? Flowers Forever, Hanging On. Hanging, Hanging on, on the Telephone. telephone. Bam. The nerves. It was the, the nerves. Oh, right. But this is a Blondie song. Or Blondie. I guess Blondie does a cover of it. I knew it was an old song. So this is the cover of Flowers talk again soon when you're the missus. You should talk about whether or not you're going to take. Are you taking his last name? No, you can't. Cliffhanger! (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye!